Good evening to everyone and welcome to God's house this evening on this anniversary of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior. Just some announcements because uh, you'll be leaving again for this service uh, in quiet after the singing of the power of the cross. Reminder again about our Easter celebration this coming Sunday. Our two services are at 7.30 and 9 a.m. Uh, both are song services. And just a reminder, too, following our confession of sins for this evening, we will be taking the collection and doing the Lord's Supper in remembrance of what he gave for us. And then we'll be meditating on those seven words spoken from the cross. We make our beginning of this service in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We take an extended time of silence to personally confess our sins before the Lord's throne of grace and to prepare our hearts to hear words of forgiveness. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear now words of forgiveness spoken to you flowing from the cross. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. On the cross, God the Father took our sins and laid them upon his son, Jesus Christ. On the cross, Jesus triumphed over sin, death, hell, and the devil. Everything that Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. Because the cross, you are fully and freely forgiven. At this time, we will be taking our gifts to our Lord, and the guest books are located in the chairs in the center aisle. Please take a moment to sign those and record your visit with us this evening.
And we prepare our hearts for that supper that our Lord gave to us in the Institute on the night that he was betrayed. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. In ancient times you passed over your children Israel, sparing them because of the blood that was shed. Your Son, Jesus Christ, is the ultimate Passover lamb, whose blood sets us and all nations free, free to receive what you alone can give. We praise your holy name in this Eucharist feast. Therefore, with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, we log and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the night that he was betrayed, took bread. Given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks. Gave to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Be the peace the Lord be with you always. With all things being prepared for the Lord's Supper, you'll be ushered up in the center aisles. You'll receive the elements, dispose of the cups and the baskets, and return to your chairs in the side aisle.
of Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners, death on her cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Savior prayed, even while his lifeblood flowed fast away, praying for sinners, while in such woe, no one but Jesus ever loves all. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems now I see him on Calvary.
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When we take a look at the words that Jesus spoke from the cross, we see how many of these words, again, talk about his love. Show his love for us that he was willing to carry out that mission, that mission that he was sent into this world to do, to pay for our salvation. Father, forgive them. I always wonder, how could he have spoken those words? After all, his disciples betrayed him, fled. He went through that mockery of a trial. He was beaten, spit upon. His back was torn open again by those whips of the Roman soldiers. Physically, he was worn out. He couldn't carry that beam of his cross even out to Calvary. And then, then when they reach Calvary, he spreads out his arms, and we can hear those nails being driven through his hands and into that wood of that cross. Then we hear that nail being driven through his legs. Then as that cross is raised, it drops in that hole, And think what that does to your body. And yet, as Jesus looked out over the crowd, even though the crowd was hurling their insults at him, he takes a look. Takes a look at that crowd and says, Father, forgive them. Think of what those words mean. Think of what those words mean to us. But they mean to us who sin each and every day. But we can find that love. That love that Jesus had for us as he pleads now for us in heaven. Father, forgive them. Forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. They realize again that we are sinners. But Christ came for us. When they went to that cross, went to that cross for us and spoke those loving words. May we hold on to those words as we think again that through his wounds we have received that forgiveness of sins.
What a sight it must have been to see those three crosses. To see Jesus in the middle, the two criminals on each side of him. And then to hear the crowds. To hear the crowds that were going by. Come on, Jesus, you saved others, save yourself. Listen, he's calling on Elijah to save him. If he's really the son of God, then let's see if God will save him. Even the criminals joined in. And after all, they were going to die. So what's the difference? We might as well join the crowds, make fun of Jesus. But then all of a sudden, through that Holy Spirit, and through the listening of their shouts, one of them comes to faith. One of them takes a look and sees Jesus as his Savior. He tells the other criminal, we deserve this. We deserve this because of our crimes. But he is innocent. He is innocent. And then he asked Jesus to remember him when he entered his kingdom. He didn't think he deserved it. He was hoping he was going to, if he could, throw himself at the feet of Jesus. He was begging Jesus, try to remember me. Try to remember me when you enter your kingdom. And what does Jesus say? Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That day, that day, that one would be coming into that paradise. Enjoying that heavenly home that Jesus had prepared for him and for all of us. May we hold on to those words too. May we realize again what Jesus did for us on the cross. So that we can also hear those words, Today you'll be with me in paradise. That paradise, that heavenly banquet that Jesus has prepared for us. May we find that assurance and find that comfort in knowing what Christ has given us.
As you remember, crucifixion was left only for the lowest criminal. It was so painful physically. The nails that were driven through your hands, you hung on that cross, you hung in the hot sun, and then as that crucifixion would take place, you would begin to be pulled down by gravity. Your lungs would begin to be crushed, and actually your lungs would begin to fill up with fluid because you would be unable to breathe. And you would actually almost drown on the cross. If that wasn't bad enough, we hear the words of Jesus, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here, his heavenly Father had turned his back on his Son. We know what it's like when we lose a friend. We know what it's like. Maybe it's been someone that's been with us since high school or college. We thought we were just so close then all of a sudden, they turn their back and want nothing to do with us. We know how painful that is, emotionally. And here, God, our Heavenly Father, Jesus' Father, turns his back on his Son. Think of the pain that Jesus was suffering, not just the physical pain, but this pain of realizing what God was doing. The one who had no sin became sin for us. We can hear that cry of Jesus, Why are you doing this? Where are you? But as we were told in the Garden of Eden, as God was speaking to Satan, You're going to strike his heel. He's going to die, but he's going to crush your head. God being that just God, God being that holy God, had to make that payment for our sins. He had to turn his back. He had to turn his back on his son. That is love. Truly Christ was stricken, smitten, and afflicted. All done, not because of anything that he had done, but now the weight of all the sins of all mankind are on him. All our sins are going to him so that his holiness, his righteousness may become ours. God had to turn his back. How that must have hurt him to see his son hanging on that cross. But he was stricken for us.
I thirst. Here we see again the human side of our Savior. That human side. We see the two natures. True son, yet true man. We recall again that baby that was given to us at Bethlehem. That child that was given for us. The one who would preach about that salvation. The one that said that, yes, he would die, but he would be raised on that third day. But he was also a true man for us. To keep that law for us. When we hear about that in Paul's letter to the Galatians, the time had come God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those yet under the law. He needed to be also a true human, to have that human nature, to keep that law for us. And now we see him. See him on that cross with that thirst. With that thirst, realizing that, yes, he is true man. But we also see that divine nature. We see also that truly he is that lamb. That lamb that would sacrifice his life for us. It is finished. Three little words. But what a difference. What a difference it makes. Here is the exclamation point that Jesus made that payment for us. It is finished. 
Salvation is ours. It's complete. His mission was almost done. That mission of coming into this world to buy us back. I always wonder, what was it like for Jesus in this world? To give up all that heavenly glory, to come as that baby that was given to us at Bethlehem. And as he grew, he knew what his mission would be. He knew what type of death that he would have. I think of the night before this crucifixion, even when he prayed that somehow, somehow this cup would be taken away. But again, if it wasn't God's will, he would obey it, and the cup wasn't taken away, he would be willing to drink of it. He would be willing to lay down his life so that he could say these words, it is finished. That sacrifice, the wages of sin is death, I will die. I will die so that everyone else may live. Think of what these words mean, that our debt is completely paid for. Maybe some of you have your house paid off, or think what it would be like if you would go to the bank and try to make a payment on your house, and they would sit there and say, it's paid for. Someone came in and paid your loan, paid that debt of your loan. I mean, wouldn't you be excited? Wouldn't you be ready to call people and tell people someone in their kindness paid off my debt? Someone paid for my loan. Here we have the words of Jesus saying, it is finished. I will make that payment for you. I will make that payment, shed that blood on the cross for you to cover your sins. It's free. The debt has been paid for. Let's live. Let's live with that freedom. Our theme for this Lent season has been, again, living Lent as people of the resurrection. Tonight we see again that passion, that that suffering of our Lord. But it is finished. It's done. It's paid for. Salvation is ours. May we see that love that was extended for us. words, Jesus would bow his head and let his spirit be taken the hands of his heavenly Father. Even though God had forsaken him, even though Jesus had to pay the price for our sins, he knew. He knew again that love of that Father. He would entrust his spirit to that heavenly Father. He would trust him And God, again, would make that exclamation point. He would raise his son from the dead. 
saying the payment is done. Jesus knew where to go. I mean, throughout his ministry, he would go over here at times when he would leave his disciples. He would go and pray with the Father, meditate with his Father. And now in the, the closing parts of his life, he commits his spirit into that hands of that loving God. We may never know when death will call us or how quickly death will call us. But hopefully these are our words too. Father, into your hands I commend, commit my spirit. When I, when I think about that, of what God has done for us, to trust in him, to remember the promise that, that Jesus made to his disciples and to us on the night that he was betrayed. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will return for you so that you may be with me. That we get to be again at that throne of God. That he will take our spirit and he will carry it to that heavenly glory. Jesus knew where to turn to. Jesus knew again about that love of God. May that love be with us. That love that even though as we have seen that, that spirit leaving our Savior, that he would die for us, may we commit, may we commit and place our spirit into the Lord's hand. And thinking of these words and what Christ has done for us, may we join together in the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. As we have seen that light go out, as we've extinguished the different candles following our meditation of those seven words, as we think again of Jesus' death on the cross on that Good Friday, it did look like death would reign. It looked like death had its grafts on Jesus. But if you notice, there's one candle left lit. That's the Christ candle, the candle that we lit on Christmas Eve at the coming of our Savior. A light that would come into this world to light this world, to take away our sins. That's the power of the cross. That's the power that Jesus went to the cross for us. And in three days, we'll be back together here again on Sunday morning to see that light, to see that empty grave and that light still shining, and that salvation that is ours. Enjoy that power of the cross.